clinical research circle how's it going guys it's been a while it's been the holidays it's been the new year people think we're not posting anymore because biotechs are getting slaughtered guys come on we we're a youtube channel it doesn't matter it's actually better when biotechs get slaughtered for views because you guys get curious and say why is this stock going down when we got a lot of questions from the community in that vein for travis mickle CEO of ChemFarm, legendary Travis Mickle. I've never seen a biotech CEO get this much love, at least from the ones we've covered. We cover like dozens, maybe multiple dozens. Uh, the, the community loves you, Travis. They love KMPH. Um, a lot of them are being patient. They're holding it out. It's been a rough couple of months. What do you, let's just address that first. Like, Sure. There's things you can control as a CEO of a publicly traded biotech, and there's things you cannot control. Can you kind of break down how you navigate these two things and keep shareholders happy? Yeah, I mean, it is difficult in this in this environment, right? Everybody's kind of getting lumped in one giant mess of let's punish biotech pharma right now. Um, if, if you're big and have earnings, great. You're, you're not going to see the same changes. But even they have had an appreciable decline over the last six months. So, I mean, when we look at it, we can only control what we can control. And uh, so we instituted the stock buyback uh, late last year. That's in an effort to recognize, not, not, not giving in to pressure, but recognizing our stock is cheap and our best investment is kind of in yourself at some point. And I think that's, that's step was step one. And you know, I've been talking for months. We gotta, we gotta, you know, come out with a meaningful pipeline, something of interest, milestones, not just for you know, the, uh, you know, folks like uh, you and everyone else here, but for healthcare-focused institutions, you know, to get them excited. Whether it's you know, next month, six months from year, a year from now, where are they gonna, you know, potentially invest in the organization? Um, but I'd love for this all just to you know, uh, pass us by and, and have money come back into the sector. I think that'd be really helpful uh, to everybody. Yeah, it's funny how people try to confuse correlation with causation. We've seen that a lot with COVID, but hopefully everybody learned a little bit about that. But like there's people who have literally been messaging me because we haven't done an interview in like six months. They think that I'd, I don't want to talk about Chem Farm anymore. It's like, guys, we're busy. We don't, we don't just make videos all day. We all have jobs. Like it has nothing to do with the stock price. We'll do it. This is like the stock price is at one of its lowest points ever right now in recent memory. And we're doing a video. So it has nothing to do with that. Um, we'll get into questions. There's a lot. Monica, there's been a press release. How's it yes. going, Monica? Are you excited for KMPH? I'm always excited for Kim Cage. <laughs> good. Hi, Travis. Good morning. Um, so I was reading the, the last press release, uh, which it was last week. Uh, and it, it mentioned that uh, Kim Farm is going to be concentrating or, or prioritizing uh, CNS rare disease and uh, and one, one of these uh, conditions that also is being prioritized by, um, by uh, Kim Farm that kept my attention is uh, the idiopathic hyper, um, hyperinsomnia. Could you please tell us about it? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, 
I mean, I'll, I'll just step back a little bit and, and say, you know, our focus and our strategy has been on high value areas where we can make a meaningful impact uh, to patients and to the marketplace quickly and efficiently, right? We don't want to spend uh, six, seven years when we can get a product or a program that would, would get there in two, three years. Uh, obviously, that, that makes sense. Now, when you think about the patients that are impacted by idiopathic hypersomnia, um, these individuals have very few good options. And there was a recent product from Jazz that was approved, Zywave, but that's that's the only approved product. And you know, while the patient population isn't isn't enormous, like say ADHD, it's very focused, and the price points for these products are much higher. So when you think about the market opportunity, I mean, you're really thinking, uh, you know, could be the same opportunity as what we saw with uh, with Astaris, uh, certainly at, at the top end. Um, these these folks really need that that uh, that medication. They're they're plagued with sleeping too much, too long, never awake. You just have walk around basically in a fog and I can't imagine it. I just, uh, maybe, you know, Sunday mornings after you had a long weekend <laughs> and a long weekend, you know, you kind of get a hint of it, but they live it every day uh, without any therapy. Yeah, that's a terrible disease. I was also reading that uh, approximately 37,000 uh, people in the United States um, are diagnosed with this. And that's just the people that have been diagnosed. Imagine uh, the rest, I mean, probably even more than 37,000. So it's an alarming number, I think, uh, especially for a disease that basically, uh, um, I mean, don't let you do <laughs> nothing in your life, but sleeping. Yeah. And Go ahead, sorry. No, 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 please go ahead. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. I, I think that number's uh, actually really un underrepresented. It. It's really. You know. It's essentially a diagnosis by elimination, right? If you don't have narcolepsy, if you don't have other sleep disorders, they kind of say, well, it's you sleep too much, so it's hyper uh, hypersomnia, and I think that's that probably keeps people from getting it diagnosed, recognized, and properly treated. Now, I think that's going to change. I mean, Jazz has spent a lot of money in this area and continues to do so, marketing and, and publicizing the, uh, the opportunity. And I, I, you know, I just see it growing from here uh, on the more patients that actually get diagnosed and treated for idiopathic hypersomnia. All right. Well, I think it's a great, it's a great uh, uh, condition to do research for especially because obviously if there is no other, if there is not much treatments available out there, uh, uh, people will be very excited about that too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we think we can make a, a meaningful impact. Uh, folks that um, have IH complain of, you know, being able to even get up in the morning, they set multiple alarms and, and our SDX, Serdex methylphenidate is perfect. You take it the night before, it's really ramping up before they wake up, um, which, you know, provides them that extra boost and then keeps them uh, awake the entirety of the day before it comes down uh, at the end of the day. It's just, I don't know how it could have matched up so perfectly uh, when you find an indication and a therapy uh, that go together. Um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a perfect uh, match, really. Um, everything else, you know, there's other ideas we have didn't, didn't quite uh, line up that way. When do you think, I know it's early in that process for IH, but wh when do you think that 
you're going to start looking at clinics, like to select sites to do the studies. So how far are we from, from this? Um, actually, it's, it's shortly. Uh, we, we are looking at some quotes from some CROs to, uh, you know, go ahead and get us in front of investigators um, and uh, you know, start identifying what sites would make the most sense here. Uh, yes. it's, it's a fairly limited number of sites that can, can really uh, treat these and you need to have a sleep specialist on board. And, and uh, I think that's, you know, it's going to start the uh, third quarter, but you know, oh. our activities start literally as soon as we sign the, the proposal. Wow. That's definitely <laughs> news from our last. So a lot has happened since our last yeah. uh, interview, not just the stock price going down. <laughs> a lot of good stuff too. Yeah. So this this one is on phase two right now, correct? Correct, and and it's because it's SDX, which is seventy percent of Astaris. It's not quite a phase two, right? We already have so much phase one data. We already have the schedule four. When you talk about controlled substance, um, we know uh, all the animal and and clinic non clinical pathways set, and we know how to make it. So we've done ninety percent of the heavy lift here. That's just about executing on these clinical studies, making sure we do the right thing and, and capture what the true benefits are, as opposed to, you know, um, have to worry about some of the, uh, the more mundane things that get you approved. And, and Travis, I was also reading that uh, the plan is to also do a parallel study for narcolepsy. That's right. I mean, if this works well for, for patients with IH, it would work very well for those with uh, narcolepsy, bigger space, um, you know, about 150,000 patients that have uh, been identified and Jazz has done multi-billion dollar product there for years. And those those patients have never had that opportunity to have something like uh, SDX and KP 1077. And so, you know, I think it makes sense as a nice bolt-on. Um, IH is gonna be our primary focus, but the narcolepsy trials are very similar in design and, and cost and, and um, uh, how you would actually uh, operationalize them. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and there, there are other news that are also very convenient for uh, the population out there with uh, the, the uh, commercial partnership that you guys did with Corium. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I missed the last part of that question. Uh, the, the commercial partnership with Corium for for the um, to to help people to payers to help the payers for a site. Yes, yes. Sorry. Okay. So um, we yeah we did announce that uh, there was a, a huge increase in the number of lives covered under the current um, uh, programs that for Astaris. So payers have been coming in, and I think I think Corium was a little surprised how quickly that payers were willing to uh, drop their blocks and um, you know try to negotiate where this would be tiered. Uh, over 100 million lives. When we say that, we're only talking about the lives that were added, right? There's a population that automatically, day one, were there. Um, you know, as soon as uh, Corium has expanded their national launch, there's there's already folks that pay cash or have high deductible plans that don't have you know sort of limitations uh, with payers. Uh, there's folks that um, you know uh, different payers automatically just put you on their formulary. So I think that and this upcoming Medicaid is really you know 
allowed Corium to say, hey, we need to go national. We need to go out there and, and force and, and start to message this the benefits of Astaris. Okay. And we got Great. we got a lot of questions for that too. So let's. I mean, are, is there anything else from the press release? Let's take care of the housekeeping no, first. No. <laughs> no. no, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead with the with your crazy questions. <laughs> They're gonna get mad if I don't ask these. So let's just do. There's a lot. <laughs> Travis, I know I keep asking this on. Like this is my question. There's just what are you guys doing to generate this much buzz? Because we do biotech companies a lot, and it's never this many questions like this this completely dwarfs anything else that we do like when we ask the community for questions what what do you think it is uh i wish i could i wish i could fully say and we've made an effort maybe over the last nine months to to um you know give out more information through social media and other channels but at the same time you know it's it's a really good company when you think about it right we have a approved product we have a commercial partner. I mean, we could earn up to 20, 30% of the first few years revenue if we hit milestones. And that's just unbelievable. That's, I, I haven't seen deals like that. On top of that, you have the cash position, uh, obviously the needs in ADHD and our track record of drug development is just, you know, we're, we're batting a thousand. So um, I'd love to say is my likability and, you know, my great beard, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I think if I was on the outside looking in, this would be a company I would invest in, right? It's, it's a great opportunity, especially at these prices. It's just ridiculous. But it's, it's just, it's got, it's all upside. What's the downside? We're not going to run out of cash. That's one of the questions that people have been asking is um, if you can comment, have you bought any on the dip? That's one of the questions we get. Um, we, yeah, that's, that's a good question. And I think uh, folks have seen that I purchase every year. I purchase, uh, as much as I can at any given one moment, but, um, we are always bound by blackout periods in which, you know, insiders cannot trade, whether it's myself or, you know, the, some of our, uh, you know, even, even other employees in the company. Uh, and you know, that I can't tell you why that is. Sometimes that's due to the fact that earnings haven't come out yet. We haven't done our year end. Uh, and we may know something that, uh, you know, not everybody knows at this point. It can also be strategic. Like if we're in discussions with a partner uh, or to, to buy somebody else or to acquire or be acquired, all of those things are reasons why um, if I'm not buying at low dips, you probably should take notice, right? It's, it's not just when you buy, it's, it's uh, or if you buy, it's when you buy uh, as, a, as an insider um, that can really indicate what's going on at the organization. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good uh, answer. People are also asking about, um, so have they, have they started buying back shares yet? As far as the company is concerned, not about you guys personally this time. Um, what I can say, you know, was, was effectively uh, what was said in the press release. And look, we instituted up to a $50 million program. We intended to be active immediately. That means, you know, in the market, buying shares immediately. Um, you know, you would think not, but you can see that the our end of the year uh, balance that we projected last year was not in that one to one and a half million dollar range that we've been in for for many quarters now. So, you know, by inference, you can you kind of decide, well, were they in the market last year by the end of last year? I think it's obvious, right? 
but have we been since I can't say directly, but we do intend to use this program strategically, uh, of course, within all the regulations and guidelines, um, but as well uh, actively, we want to be active in it. Now, do we go up to 50 million? It's it's our bucket and how much water do we fill it with? That's that's dependent on lots of various inputs and outputs. Okay, another question from a dog named Sue. This is a uh, uh, this is more of a comment. So uh, they said, I think we all want to know what the I think we all want to know what the qualifications they're looking for to initiate the buyback. You kind of answered that. Also, just pleased with the positive developments from the company in the last few months. I don't think he hears it enough that the company is doing a good job. There you go. There's some. <laughs> Some yeah. kumbaya for us. Uh, that's a very good comment. And a lot of people are commenting similar <laughs> things. Uh, we got another one. Just the standard questions like, what can you give us an approximate date when the shareholders can order their Lambos? <laughs> <laughs> that's a legit, uh, yeah. legit question. <laughs> so we'll avoid that one. Uh, let's see here. Another. These are actually... Um, Okay, current competitive landscape for ADHD. So new drugs coming out that would affect the growth strategy. Are you, are you guys keeping up with the latest uh, comp competition and pricing and all that? Yes, yeah, no, we, we track them very closely. I, the legacy products like Vyvanse and, and Concerta and others, you know, they, they're established brands, right? They're not going to change that much. But we've been looking at the recent launch of Quelby, which is a Sopernus non-stimulant, which is, that's, a, that's almost a different category altogether. It's not, a, not even close to a one-to-one -one analysis there. Uh, but also looking at, at Journey, which is the night before product, uh, supposed to help in the morning and uh, with uh, ADHD symptoms. So, you know, we're, we're tracking that as far as not just scripts uh, that we look at compared to where Astaris is, but we also look at that Sorry, a little bit bumping. Um, we also look at that compared to coverage with payers because that's really the key metric. If you can get payers to cover it and it's a better product, it will ultimately do, it'll be the market leader. It's, that's, that's always has, has, has how it plays out. So in this particular instance, you know, we see that, that Quorium is several months ahead from where Journey was. And we like that, right? Maybe behind in scripts because they haven't been you know, in a national launch but now they are, and now we know that they can they can make up headway quickly. Yeah, related to that, uh, another person says, "Will Quorium will Corium provide weekly new script numbers as the national launch proceeds?" Um, you know, uh, they don't. Uh, there are several databases out there which you can uh, either subscribe to, or I've seen you know folks on social media just tell you, <laughs> you know, they'll they'll get the numbers from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and let you know what the weekly numbers are. So it's not it's not a terrible secret. Um, it's not something we're allowed to say uh, on a day to day basis because Quorum is private. They want to keep um, they don't want to keep uh, numbers in the front of physicians and patients. Right. Well, it's not doing very well. I wonder why. Mm -hmm. Right. And obviously, that's not a good message to send. It's just very early days. And that's that's the case for for any launch. So I understand why, you know, there's a little frustration from from shareholders and interested investors. Hey, I don't know what the numbers are, um, but, you know, obviously, I, I don't think Corium wants everybody to know immediately what those numbers are either. Uh, once they, you know, get some some room up there and start to see scripts go up, I, I think that's 
weekly, no, but uh, you know, every once in a while, will they give cumulative scripts what their growth rate is? Absolutely. I know that they would let us do it or, or they would do it themselves. Someone else asked, what is the status of KP922? It's no longer listed in the pipeline. Which, which one was this? K, uh... This was an amphetamine uh, derivative that we had prepared. So very much like SDX and Astaris and 1077, um, we had seen the same attributes with some of our amphetamine compounds. So less abusability, really long acting extended release profile. So I wouldn't say it's dead just because it's not actively being developed. It is being considered as an alternative or another use for, uh, we talked about 879, right? The KP879 for stimulant use disorder. That's a great alternative. If, uh, if the efficacy doesn't look great in those um, uh, with uh, SDX, you just, you just switch it. So it's kind of a, in our back pocket, do we need it? Do we not? It would take more money and take more time to develop it because it's, it's not an, a part of an approved product. I just thought of this, but you know, a lot of companies are having issues with um, labor shortages. And I'm assuming you guys are not immune from this either. Has that played into the decisions to put some, some developments on hold like, like this one and focus on others? Or is that like a separate, separate decision? Uh, well, internally, I, I'll happy to report we haven't um, had any changes in employees in a number of years. In fact, we've added a few very instrumental folks internally in uh, the regulatory side that, that have really been great, uh, help us get a STARS approved and get through um, what we needed to do. Externally, yes, it, it does impact everything. Uh, CROs have a lot of turnover, clinical sites, uh, manufacturers, and you're fighting now with this influx of money that came in you know 2000 uh, 2020 2019 from you know ipos and and new financings and so everybody's out there in the clinic and and you're you're you fight for that i think what's fortunate is we have long-standing relationships with a lot of these folks literally going back to my early days at new river and so i wouldn't say we get a benefit from that like directly but they would rather do a study with kim farm than pfizer it's just we're going to be easier to work with. We'll get our hands dirty. We'll get you things back in a day when, you know, Pfizer may take a month to get an answer back. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a good, that's a good point, actually. Having the uh, network, the relationships. Uh, and to add to this, like, I think the labor shortage, the labor squeeze is going to continue in our industry because of the new anti-aging uh, consortium that came out. I think it's like billions of dollars, billions of new dollars are going to be put into anti-aging research. So everybody, you know, everybody's got to play in the same, same, uh, same pool, same ocean. Um, another question, I tell you, there's a lot. Have you been approached by any companies regarding licensing the LAT, the ligand activated technology? Uh, yes, actually we have. We've had a pretty active business development effort since the approval of Astaris. I mean, we always have, that's been our focus, but I think the credibility of having now two approved and licensed products, uh, folks understanding that Astaris has done very well. Some of the attributes like with uh, SDX, with the schedule four, nobody expected. So like, well, can they do that for our molecule? Um, and that's been part of our story on a business development side. It's not front and center, with us, we've done a few of these small deals, uh, Tuzar, 
Um, we did uh, another one to bring kind of a dual co-development, co co but they're all early stage. Uh, but now we're getting interest, you know, from kind of the uh, little later stage as well as kind of mid-stage uh, development where they, they want their intellectual property or patents extended. They want to improve some feature about the product. Uh, and those would be great, right? They're all gravy at that point. Do you get a deal? How any sort of upfront? It's really about the long-term value. Can I can I have a part of something I would have never developed in the first place, uh, where they're going to spend all the money and 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 all the resources to get it there? Uh, before I get question. to more questions, guys, Monica, Chris, I don't want to hog up all the mic time. If you guys have any, the community wants to know these things, so that's why I'm doing it. But yeah, I was taking a look at the uh, pipeline because I would like to know which, uh, if you already, uh, if you guys already know which uh, CNS disease, red disease, are going to be concentrating uh, your attention to. Um, I I think there's a lot of attention right now in the neurodegenerative space. That's uh, not quite rare disease, but sometimes it is ALS. Parkinson's, uh, uh, Alzheimer's. There's also niches within those spaces, right? There's there's patients that suffer from, you know, different morphologies of of uh, of those, and uh, you can you can focus in on those individuals and really you know be able to help them. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, investment in that in that area, um, and I think that's that's been something that said, well, okay, if if folks are investing in that, we should pay more attention to it. Uh, we also think we can help. It's it's really a space that needs new innovation, not just for these disease modifying drugs like Biogen's, but um, uh, just for symptoms. Like improve my symptoms. I think uh, you know people don't care if you don't live as long uh, if you have a, a terminal disease. But at the end of the day, if you can live a better life along the way, obviously that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, to make it more quality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was my last question. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. Uh, thank you, Monica. Chris, whenever you want to, it's fine. I'll get back to the, this is, there's a lot. And then we'll, we'll eventually come to the end of these. Somebody said, send him a thank you for his dedication to making better, safer drugs. It's very nice. These, the yeah. community loves you, Travis. Um, <laughs> ask him what his favorite kind of pizza is. <laughs> uh, the one that's uh, in front of me. <laughs> it won't last long either. <laughs> Okay. Oh, this is a good one. Um, what kind of partnership are you guys seeking for substance use disorder? Well, I, I tried to touch on this during our presentation and in the press release, but it does does require a little bit more explanation. So it's actually a great question to, to think about 879. When we did the study um, over the summer and through this year, and it read out late last year, and still not officially all complete, uh, we just realized that there's expertise here that exists in academic labs and in government, of course, at, uh, at NIDA and other, other uh, agencies that focus on drug abuse that we just, you know, nobody, nobody else in the world has. So, uh, you know, we thought, well, I think let's get a grant. Let's see if um, this makes sense for NIDA to either do the study or, you know, pay for the study. I think they'll probably want to do it. Honestly, we had the same offer when I was working on Vivance. Um, and, you know, that's a good start. Like, let's get some clinical data uh, from some experts and then go out and seek an industry partner. Uh, I did mention, I think, on the call, we've had interest. Uh, folks are interested in the space because there's nothing out there. But 
there's so much has been tried and failed. So I, you know, I'd, I'd rather learn. Um, I'd rather not learn from the mistakes of the past as far as taught on us. I'd rather, you know, take those lessons from folks that have been there and done it in the trenches. Okay, take those lessons and apply it to our product, make it better. And now let's get somebody to develop it. Mm -hmm. uh, some of these questions you can't answer, but I'll ask you anyways. Is there a number where you would sell it all <laughs> for a buyout? And at what price? <laughs> oh, as high as possible, right? Uh, that's there you go. Yeah, hey, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> Not at six dollars, that's for darn sure. Um, we we all work too hard. Everybody knows that there's bigger upside. So waiting a little longer isn't going to be bad. But let's let's work hard to add value so it gets there faster. Um. Okay. Oh. The stock is down 30% since you interviewed him last September. I can't believe it was September. It seems like more recent. Uh, it's all upside from here is what you remarked back then. What do you think you should ask him? <laughs> well, I think we asked him a bunch of the questions that uh, uh, you're alluding to. So, And we're, we're going to get to more right now. Uh, another one. Can Travis speak to Epion trademark extension? What does he have planned? I don't even know what this is. What, what are they talking about? <laughs> uh, we have a few trademarks for, um, you know, if we ever want to do a subsidiary or a spin out of any oh. of our assets, um, we, we have assets that nobody knows about uh, from very early private days of the company in uh, bipolar disease, schizophrenia. Of course, we have the opioid products uh, that we developed and, and Apodaz approval um, and a few others that you could spin that out, sell it, spin it out, create its own focused organization um, and, you know, keep a few trademarks around just so that when you want to do that, you don't have to go and buy a URL and, and every, everything <laughs> for somebody else. You got to go daddy like, like the rest of us. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously everybody starts there. <laughs> These guys, how did they find this stuff out? This is amazing. I mean, that this is crazy. They really um, dig into stuff. It's, it is crazy. It's, yeah. Travis, then I have a, I have another question. Okay. <laughs> um, since since you mentioned bipolar and schizophrenia, are you guys uh, having in mind to do any more uh, mental health uh, studies or products? Yes, I, I think the area of psychiatry is still very under under uh, the needs there are, are just huge, right? We need we need better products there. Um, more options for physicians too, right? Oh, look, there's 20 ADHD products. Well, the reason there's 20 is because no one fits all. And so um, I, I think that's with every psychiatric disease. Uh, nobody knows what the root cause of ADHD is as far as like how it, you know, the morphology, the behaviors, what, what's going on with, with the patient. And it's different for almost everybody. So you need different drugs, and I think that's for bipolar disease. It's for um, you know behavior disorders, anxiety. You know, it's 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 prevalent throughout. Now that's not going to be our initial focus, right? We want to go after some very high value targets. Not that there's not value in those, but let's knock out some easy ones that are very high value, and then it'll give us the opportunity and resources to focus outside of that. Um, I did mention that we have also pursued and looked at psychedelics. Obviously, that's that's a huge new area. Uh, I think we can make an impact in that. Uh, you know, we'll have to make a decision internally if we're going to deploy any resources there. 
but I think we can make a patented product that could be better. Uh, now, is there a use for it? Others will determine that first, but hopefully we can follow up with something better. Oh, that's wonderful. We all have here a source path for uh, mental health. <laughs> yeah, we, do. we really do. Um, yeah, that's how I we got our start, most of us on the Zoom call. Uh, okay, here's another one I don't know much about, so feel free to skip, but maybe you know something. What is the deal with overseas? Why so quiet about it? What does this mean for KMPH, this agreement? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, maybe they're referring to a deal that Corium did uh, with a partner in China. Oh, um, okay. Uh, we don't get to say what we, you know, anything that they do, they have for say, uh, and whether they want it press released or not, and how they want it press released. And they thought it's just more appropriate for them and the partner to do so. Um, if you go back through the agreement, you can find what the economics are. Uh, we get about 10% of the upfront. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there's a benefit there uh, for the company. And of course, you know, it's, it's more validation, right? This is a big product, big opportunity. Uh, you know, if I was Corium, I'd be looking at the Canadian market. I'd be looking at Europe, uh, thinking about Latin America, Central America, uh, Mexico as, as kind of my next areas. Uh, but, you know, Japan is obvious choices, uh, um, you know, South, uh, the Southern Pacific region. So, you know, this is just great affirmation to any of those potential uh, partners that they look, somebody's interested and they're willing to pay money for it and develop it and get it approved and market it. Okay. Yeah. Have maybe have someone from Corium try to reach out. We do, we have Latinos in clinical research and we're trying to expand our footprint with investigators into Latin America, particularly Mexico. We have a few doctors from Mexico City that are starting to do research uh, a little bit with our guidance. And Colombia. And Colombia. There, yeah, Monica. Shout out yeah. to Colombia. Uh, <laughs> what's the probability of getting fast track and breakthrough status? And when should I think you answered that kind of no for uh, for ten seventy seven KP ten seventy seven? Yeah. Um, I, I think I mentioned it on the call that we did in the presentation. It, it's always a possibility. Now, obviously. This is a rare disease and a product that treats a rare disease. But I, I've seen sometimes where the, the FDA will argue with you and they want more, you know, kind of information. And eventually you get it as far as an orphan disease. Now, fast track, that's a little different. And that's more up to the FDA itself is whether or not they'll grant that. I think it, I think it makes sense, right? You have, okay, there's no other treatment here um, that can treat the, the main symptoms of IH. And so that that should be something. Now it's like a ninety day clock. You can't file it until you file your IND. So all of that has a, a very regimented regulatory timeline. A breakthrough comes after you have clinical data, and you can request it um, once you have you know showing in that patient population that it works. And it has to be a serious life threatening disease, um, and and usually something very politically charged. So we'll see. We'll ask. We always do. Um, sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no, or sometimes, most of the time they say, we'll come back with more data and we'll, we'll consider it again. Okay. Um, any additional analysts or institutional investors either picking up coverage or getting interested in the stock that you've been seeing or hearing about? 
you know, I think it's it's been pretty quiet. Um, we meet with folks all the time, and I think that's kind of part of, of how you build the story and uh, something that we've done. You know, the transformation we went through last year was critical. Nobody would have covered us. I think only uh, um, H.G. Wainwright was the only group that uh, that did at that point, um, Warren Livnet. And, you know, eventually we got through that. We added, we added the Roth analyst. And then, you know, right now, I think the biggest problem is, you know, analysts say, well, we love your company, uh, but we sell to institutions and they're not buying. So, you know, they can cover you and, and do, uh, do various things at that point. But, you know, they're kind of waiting for the market to clear too. That's what my belief is. Um, I also know there is a huge labor shortage in that space. So if anybody wants to become a, uh, writing analyst for one of these investment banks, go for it. Um, there you guys go. You guys, there's a lot of career seekers on this channel as well. Look, you heard it from Travis Mickle. And by the way, he's very accessible on LinkedIn too. Uh, do do people reach out to you on LinkedIn a lot or is it quiet? Over no, there? they do. Yeah, I get, I get a lot of messages daily. I mean, over 4,500 contacts, professional and, and otherwise. So uh, I think it's I think it's a great platform, and yeah, if you have a message, I don't get to it right away, but um, when I do, uh, you know, happy to answer questions if I can. That's awesome. Um, another person, I'm curious to get Travis' views on how he sees Pasco's role relative to his own. Is Pasco primarily focused on securing a transformative event, and how has your day-to-day -day focus changed since Pasco came on? as EC. So he's he's the lead independent director, right, of the company? Yeah, back in November, he uh, kind of transitioned internally to uh, executive chairman. So that I think that's what they're asking about. Um, part of his mission is to do just what, you know, the question said, a transformative transaction. Now, I think our focus has been, can we bring in new assets to the company that we can develop and get, you know, more clinical data quicker, get to a, a potential approval and see, you know, an upside that's different, right? If you work in, say, dementia, where you have no, nothing really to treat that, um, is that more valuable than ADHD? Well, right now it is. I mean, it's just no treatment. It's a big market. So, you know, that was just an example. Please don't everybody assume that we're working in dementia or looking for companies in dementia. It's just one thing that I picked out of my head. Um, but, but he's helping with that. I think a role typically of an executive chairman is to um, help facilitate the communication between the board and management and just to make sure that the board's fully up to speed so you can do something quickly as opposed to like, I'll have to literally stop everything I'm doing, you know, focus on a, a board meeting, board update, could take a week or more. It's like, well, it's very unproductive. And I know Rich uh, has been a valued member of board from the beginning. I recruited him. You know, we, we decided to make him lead in, independent and then now this transition. So we're excited to have a helping hand and, and to move things along a lot quicker than we have in the past. All right. Wow, Travis, you've been uh, super good. You haven't dodged any question except the Lambo one. When the guy, another guy asked when he could buy a condo. When do you think it's safe for him to buy a condo? <laughs> oh, with the, with the, uh, real estate today, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's Florida, maybe in Florida, Chris and I are thinking, 
of an investment in Florida. Okay, uh, let's see what else uh, mentioned. Oh, significantly increased staffing. We discussed that. Um, narcolepsy and IH. Okay, I, I think we got to most of them. Uh, how are reps, sales reps, and physicians? I know we interviewed a psychiatrist on this show who loves the stars, but have you been getting, like, what kind of feedback have you been getting from sales reps or providers in regards to this? Um, because I'll be honest with you, like I, I own a clinic here and I talk to my provider. I'm in an underserved area, okay, Yuma, Arizona. But I, okay. I, I showed them, like I tell them, hey, you know, there's this new drug. We interview the CEO a lot on the show. It's called the Staris. So they had me pull it up on GoodRx and they were like, wow, <laughs> this is expensive. Like, this is underserved community, but like, can you kind of comment a little bit on this kind of sentiment and also like combine that with the feedback you've been getting from reps and physicians? Well, maybe I'll start with the, the pricing, right? Um, I think when uh, Corium, and this is, again, this is my own thoughts of what I would go through if I was pricing, I would look at the other brand products like Vivance and Concerta, you know, the brand name versions, not the generic versions. I would look at their sales and I would price in that range. And that's that's what I think Corium's done. Um, and, you know, it's a better product. It should be the same as the other products in that space. Now, what has happened, and this is where I say about critical about payer coverage, is initially there's no payer coverage, right? You can have a copay card, which they do. They have a great copay program where you don't pay more than uh, a certain amount if you don't have coverage. Um, but at the same time, you know, that can be a real limitation when you can get something that maybe doesn't work well, uh, maybe doesn't work really at all, but it's something that um, uh, is much, much cheaper. And so with that payer coverage comes, you know, the needs. And, and you talk about underserved. I mean, 30% of ADHD market is Medicaid. And states don't add things on their Medicaid on a regular basis, right? They don't have to, so they don't. Um, so we had some big wins in Texas and Indiana, and you just got to go by their schedule. It's a calendar schedule. And, you know, once you meet with them, it could take another 12 months uh, for you to get added to Medicaid. Once that happens, though, you're, you're in good shape. You should have the right coverage in place. And I think that's really important because it pairs with your first part of your question. The clinicians, the physicians, the patients that I have heard from in the sales force is there's no pushback. Everybody gets exactly what the message is, exactly what the benefits are and say, obviously, if I have my choice and this works for my patients, I would much rather they be on that. Um, you know, I can tell you personally that Astaris is just amazing. It's just completely different. I was on Vivance before. I've been on Concerta. I've been on basically anything that the payer had made me step through to get to Vivance and they, they all suck. I mean, I've invented Vivance, right? I mean, it's a great product for amphetamine, but amphetamine's harsh. And uh, I just, Astaris is just, it works and you don't have to think about it. It just works in the background really. Uh, starts quick, lasts all day, lasts day over day, no peaks, no bumps. Um, really, really amazing product. And my son recently switched as well. And I think he's, he's doing much better, much better during school, much better when you should really be focused uh, throughout the day and then no problem sleeping no problems eating it's great it's, a, it's really great that's cool i see when i interview you i feel like you're you're having fun you know we interview a lot of ceos and 
not all of them give off that vibe. Maybe it's because you've done it before with New River, but like maybe compare this this you know stint with KMPH. It's been a run, a massive run with your previous like with Vivan. So how how would they compare? Uh you know, it's all it's always harsh, right? The drug development is a very difficult space to be in and and inherent risks. We try to mitigate all that, but at the end of the day, like literally, um, you know, uh, I've had to go on anxiety medicine over the last five years just because, you know, the FDA holds you in their hand and it's 100% their decision. You don't even get to say sometimes. So you rely on good science uh, to do it. You know, what I love is is the team we have, the, a lot of supportive shareholders, as you say, uh, great management team uh, all put together. And we love doing what we do because, you know, not only will we make money, and um, you know, get to where we want to be uh, personally, but you're doing it for good reasons, right? You're really helping improve everyone's day to day, and you know, you hear CEOs say that all the time. But I know I do because I invented it, I developed it, I, I get to be a part of it. And it's it's like, well, you talk about what somebody else did. No, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a good answer, Travis. You're a scientist. Have you ever had like media training? <laughs> no, I uh, folks have just told me you just <laughs> just speak from the heart. Just so that means that it's head. truly that means it's truly a passion because look, we've interviewed you guys know Monica and Chris like we it's they don't all sound like this. So that's maybe we can see why the community likes KMPH so much. Anything else, guys? Get yeah, Monica. Chris, I was Travis. I was gonna say that uh, passion always brings a lot of attention. <laughs> good attention so um, uh, no wonder why you have such uh, a good uh, for a group of followers <laughs> and supporters yeah I've got KMPH full disclosure and I don't look at the price I have it in my retirement account I put it in there from Me too. a year or two ago <laughs> it just sits there I don't know what it does sometimes there's weeks I go without even looking at KMPH but mm -hmm. good to know that Travis is behind it and um yeah, Chris, anything? Casey? Judy left. Great, great, inf great information. Uh, appreciate all the answers. Um, Got to say, the beard looks really good. You should keep it, too. <laughs> I've, I've never had facial hair in my entire life. Oh, it looks good. I really want to look like you Dan. Grow a, full, grow a full beard. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going after the Dan look, but I, I just don't have it. So. Uh, no, mine, I had, to, I had to trim it. Mine is like, it was, it was crazy for a while. Um, all right. I think we're good guys. I know Judy left, but she, she's interested in those sleep studies. So yeah, we'll talk maybe Corium, like how involved are you with them? Can you send sales reps to our underserved community or is that not in your realm of what to do? Well, I can always ask uh, that. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And maybe not even sales reps, but just a call right okay. from the, the, you know, they do a lot of MSL reach out to um, the medical science liaisons. I mean, actual folks that have a degree in science background. So I think that's probably a better, uh, if you had to tell me, no, nothing against sales reps, you know. Well, we love sandwiches love and coffee, but yeah, the MSLs are good. Yeah. <laughs> MSLs are good. The Astaris laced sandwiches. They're always great. <laughs> you can focus on writing more scripts. <laughs> All right, guys. We asked basically everything um anything else travis you want to say to the community we're probably going to be like another month two or three before we do another one so what do you think 
Yeah, I mean, we we certainly are happy to do these as often as we can. I mean, it made sense to wait, right? Yeah. Um, because we just announced our, our strategy rollout, gave a lot of folks questions to ask. Um, but, you know, it is a great opportunity. I mean, look at the prices. Uh, what else are you going to put it in is always my question. It's like, well, if you're interested in growth with in biotech and pharma, there's not a lot of good companies. Uh, a lot of them went out too early in IPOs. So, you know, I'm not I'm not big on uh, pumping a stock. It's just the company's great. Um, we have cash. We're not going to need to raise cash. We can do what we need to do and execute on our plan. I mean, obviously, that's going to bring value. And then the star is, is kind of the gravy, right? If you believe it's going to do well, we're going to see a substantial part of that revenue. So it's a good time to be excited, pay attention either back to it or tell a friend. Hmm. Wow. I've got to stop interviewing you CEOs, you know. Get me to buy a stock every time we do an interview, but <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you everybody for watching. Keep your questions coming. This is my other channel, the Clinical Research Circle. We would love your support. We need more subscribers. And I'll put a highlight reel on my channel to drive more awareness to this this full interview. So thank you all. Appreciate it. Catch y'all later. Bye bye.